in the love of Christ. We have freedom in the love of Christ. So Paul states in Philippians, we're going to be starting in the third chapter. He states in Philippians that the word of God protects us. He starts out in verse 1 by saying that the word of God protects us. The ways of God protect us. They are a safeguard unto us. And he continues in his message throughout Philippians to discuss the flesh as opposed to the spirit. And that it is necessary, necessary to have no confidence in the flesh. No confidence in the flesh. And then he gets very specific throughout the passage about the difference between the two. And what we accomplish by putting our confidence in the Spirit, by living according to the Spirit, by putting the flesh behind us and living in the purity of the true nature of what Christ has purchased, has apprehended for us. So we are going to focus on what Christ has apprehended for us. Not on the earthly things, but on things above. So we're going to start in Philippians 3, 2. NIV. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we, this is the believer, who are the circumcision. We are, we who worship by the Spirit of God, that's first, worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. We glory in Christ Jesus. And who put no, no confidence in the flesh. Wow. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. So if anyone, if anyone had reason to be confident in the flesh, it was Paul. It was Paul. In this list here, he says to watch out, watch out, be aware, pay attention to the dogs, okay? That's, that's a term for the Gentiles, those yet to believe, all right? Then he says the mutilators. And in the translation from the Aramaic, that word is circumcisers. That's the literal word, circumcisers. So he's indicating there, when he uses that term, he's indicating those who walk by the flesh, those who walk by the law, those who do not walk by the love of Christ, those who do not walk by the new command. Okay, that's what he's saying. In other words, religious tradition, social protocol, and in our, in our common vernacular, we might say... Um, we might say tolerance instead of truth. Okay? To put it in, in, in current terms. <laughs> 
So in other words, those with untransformed hearts and minds, unchanged by the love of Christ. So the whole point is getting to know Christ. That's our entire pursuit in life, is getting to know Christ and the power of his resurrection in us. Right? Our hearts following after his heart. So, because it is the love of Christ that transforms our hearts. And only the love of Christ. So we have to receive his love. We have to know it. We have to allow it in. We have to let it come in and break up the stony places. Fertilize the dead ground. Right? Because when we allow that, then we have a harvest unto him and unto his plans and purposes. So, if anyone had reason to put confidence in the flesh, it was Paul. He was a master of the law. He was trained by the best there was. He was a Pharisee. Okay? And he criticizes that. He had done all things by the letter of the law. And he said, they were advantageous to me in the flesh. Okay? They were advantageous to me in the flesh, in the world. But he goes on to say, now, now, because he's in Christ, now they are of no advantage. That's what he says. No advantage in the life of the Spirit. Life in the Spirit is truly knowing the Messiah. Knowing Jesus. Intimacy, relationship with Jesus. So he's saying, the law, it produces this fleshly life, and it is opposed, it is actually opposed to life in Jesus. You know, do this, don't do that. Say this, don't say that. See, it doesn't bring the power. That's not what brings the power. That's not what brings enlightenment. That's not what brings relationship. That's rules and regulations. We need a heart shift, a heart transformation. The law, that was the whitewash fencing, right? That's without relationship with our Jesus. So let's go on to Philippians 3, verse 5. If anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, this is Paul speaking, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, a Jew, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, In regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. See that? And he's saying we've got to put the legalistic righteousness away. 
That's not relationship. That is not relationship. You know, he crossed every T, he dotted every I, but he did not at that point have the righteousness that is born of Christ and Christ alone. Verse 7, But whatever was to my profit... I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing, knowing Christ. That's intimate relationship, that's knowing his character, that's understanding his character implanted in you, that's understanding his free gift to you, that's understanding that he finished a work for you because he loves you. He gave it all because he loves you. I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ, this should be our very breath. You see what I'm saying? The air we breathe is to know him. Knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, who, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ, that I may gain Christ. I will put everything else behind me to gain Christ, everything in the world to gain Christ, and be found in him. I want to be found in Christ. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Faith in God. Faith in Christ. The scripture says, have faith in God. Nothing else. Not your own ability. Not your own brains. Not your own beauty. Nothing about you. Have faith in Christ. He will not disappoint you. He will exceed every expectation. Do it his way. Speak his word. Honor him. He will exceed anything, everything that you could have ever expected in this earth. Living by the law is to be replaced. Replace it. You know, and that's, that's not an easy thing to do in our society. We're very... Society is very performance-driven, rule-driven, legalistic for those who don't have the Holy Spirit. You know, even Christians who don't employ the Holy Spirit, it's not always easy. But living by the law is to be replaced that we may gain the Messiah. Everything about him, every spiritual blessing in Christ. That is your inheritance, that is your promise. Do you see it in Christ? Do you see Christ receiving it? Don't expect anything less for yourself. God does not expect less. You see, he has a vision. 
Before you were born, he made this beautiful plan. And he is standing at the end of that plan. And he believes that plan for you. He believes it. He believes that's who you are now. He sees you that way now. No matter what the circumstance is here on earth, he sees you in his beauty. He sees you in his vision. Accomplishing the things that he has designed for you. Yes, are there things that you're going to have to do? Yeah, you're going to have to employ some spiritual warfare. This is not for the weak need. But he is made, we are made strong through him. Okay? Our job is to get a vision of how he sees us and our lives. So, our seeking is after intimacy with our Jesus. Our seeking is after knowledge of, union with, revelation of, ascendancy into the new creation life, the heaven-bound life, the looking on things above life. See, that's where we're headed. And getting rid of what? The pharisaical, the judgmental, the legalistic, the routinized, the idolatrized life. That's what we need to eradicate. We are ascending every day into the command of love, the Christ's love, understanding his love for us. So how are we found in him? Because we just read that. It says, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. So we talked about that last week, didn't we? We talked about what that means, to be found in him. We gain the Messiah by receiving and living in his love. That's the first step. You can't love anybody, you can't do it his way until you understand how much he loves you. I'm going to reread that for you because it's real important. 1 John 4, 15. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, that's every believer, nothing disqualifies you. God lives in him and he in God. And so we know, we know, and we rely on the love God has for us. You know and rely on the love God has for you. God is love, and we need to get to know him in his love for us, for believers. We are not in a dispensation of wrath. We are in a love journey with our Lord. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that, so that, in order that, we may have confidence on the day of judgment. That's not just end time. That's when something convicts you in this world. You can have confidence that you are going to a loving father. Because in this world, see, it's not just about when we're in heaven. It says right here, in this world, we are like him. This is what we are to have now. 
little, big, huge representations of Jesus. In this world, we are like him. The world needs you now to be like him. And we are like him when his love resides in us, when we receive it from him. Faith in the Messiah, faith in Jesus gave us a righteousness. That's a position. It gave us a righteousness. And by it, we know, we come to know the power of his resurrection in us. That's big power. Big power. Righteousness, resurrection power. That's you. You just can go around all day and say, I'm resurrection power coming to see you. Do you have a problem? I can help you with that. I have power from on high. I can help you with that. All is well. My soul has been renewed and trusted my Jesus, and there is a resurrection force coming into your life that you have been wanting all along. And I'm here to hand it, I'm here to help you, I'm here to teach you. I am here to show you Jesus. And you should be walking around every day as though that is the absolute truth, because that is the absolute truth. You are a force, a good force in this world. You have light that the world needs. When we know the power of the resurrected Christ, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, dwelling in us, dwelling in you, say that. I have the same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead living in me. Hallelujah. What happens then? When we believe that, we walk courageously. We walk fearlessly. We walk helping people. Who wants to come to some little weak sad, miserable, fearful individual in time of need. See, they have to see something different in you. And for them to see something different in you, you have to know how and how much God loves you. That's where the power comes. It all stems right there. Hallelujah. His love, and only his love, will conquer every darkness. And we will be able, when we understand his love in us, we will be able to trust him. We will be able to say, I have faith in God. He keeps his word. It never returns void. He is his word. His word is true. All I have to do is go look at it, and it's mine. I integrate it. I believe. I trust in God. This word is who he is. Have no doubt. Have no fear. His love in me makes me fearless. 
His perfect love casts out every fear. It enables me to truly run, to obtain what Jesus, the Messiah, purchased, apprehended, took for me. Right? Philippians 3.10. I want to know. I want to know Christ. I'm reading in the NIV. In other words, be found in his love. That's how we know him. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, and so somehow to attain, to attain. When we attain, that's our goal. We want to attain to the resurrection. Everything that it accomplished. He says, attain to that. Well, if he, he wouldn't tell us to attain to that if we couldn't walk in it here in the here and now. To attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now, when you were, were saved, when you were born again, did you feel like you just came out of death? Thank you! Wow! One yes! Y'all got some work to do. When you were saved, did you feel like you just came out of the jaws of death? The grasp of Satan. You did. You were transformed into a kingdom of light. But you see, it didn't stop there. Because every day of our lives after that, we are attaining into the truth of what that purchased for us. What that new creation life that just got put into us, what it accomplished. So that we could be Jesus here. Well, I was somewhere. I was reading some verse. Thank you. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. Resurrection power after that. He did not get held in the grave. He sure didn't. The overcoming power of Christ in me. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on. Regardless of circumstances, regardless of what the world say, regardless of my mind, will, emotions, I press on to the truth of the gospel. That's my, those are my words, so don't get me in trouble there. I'll, I'll read the real words here in a minute. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He took hold of you, beloved. 
He took hold of you. What greater place could you be standing, sitting, resting, whatever, than the fact that in his loving arms where he took hold of you. And he's not letting go. Hallelujah. He has made everything okay. (laughs) It is well. (laughs) Just receive it. Just receive what he has done for you. You know, and, and when you think about it, yes, what does this include? It includes all the blessings. Every spiritual blessing. You see Christ, you see what he has purchased for you. It includes his nature. It includes his ability. His ability. You know, it's not even ability to walk by the Spirit is what I was going to say. But you see, that's not an ability. That's a gift. It's a oneness. It's a unity. It's a being thing. You see, it's a being. It's an existence. It's a presence in the spirit. Hallelujah. Spirit to spirit with our Father. Spirit to spirit. Think about that for a minute. Say, I commune spirit to spirit with my Father. With God above. Above all the fray of the world, beloved, you are sealed. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Precious. Precious. That's a precious promise. You are seated in heavenly realms with Christ. Hallelujah. He allows you. He gives you. His name, his blood, to face and break every hindrance, every chain. It's given to you, it's handed to you. Demolishing every hindrance. Setting the captives free. Life in the spirit of the living God. Think about that. Life in the spirit of the living God. What is bigger than his spirit? What is more powerful than his spirit? What is grander than his spirit? What is more loving than his spirit? Life in the fullness of Christ in this world. Here, now. This is not something that only comes in heaven. You need it now. You need it now. He's given you the keys to the kingdom. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Or you, the church. So you see, we are running to obtain what has already been purchased. It's just a matter of are we going to allow that torn veil, the scales to be removed, our hearts to be opened and enlightened to receive what he has already done for us. Philippians 3.13 Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Okay, what is it? That's the finished work 
of Christ. That's the spirit opposed to the flesh. Everything that Christ accomplished, that is freedom in this world in Christ. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. When he says straining, do you think you're going to have to do any work? Do you think you're going to have to engage in some battles sometime? Yeah, but he's given you the keys. He's given you prayer. He's given you the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's given you thanksgiving. He's given you praise. He's given you his word. He's given you a tongue to confess his word. Right? I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I am going to keep this in my sights at all costs. I'm not going to look to the left. I'm not going to look to the right. I'm going to keep my eyes on the finished work of Jesus and it alone, and I will see it come to fruition in my life. And I decree that over you. We will not be moved by the things that we see on this earth. We will not be moved by the circumstances of this world, the ideologies of this world. I will keep my eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. So if I walk right by and don't seem to be paying attention, there's a reason. I'm teasing. (laughs) You see, he has beautiful plans for us, doesn't he? He has beautiful plans for you. And that's where you want to keep your eyes. That's where you want to focus. You want to focus on the truth of what he says. Every word in this book, this Bible, was written for you. Every word in it. And you just see yourself in these beautiful pages and you keep your eyes fixed there. And when somebody hateful comes along and makes you feel bad, you just say, well, that's not what Jesus says about me. So you must be wrong. (laughs) Say it sweetly, though. (laughs) Okay. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize. What's the prize? The finished work of Jesus. That's our prize. Every way that he sees you, all that he accomplished for you, all that he's given you, that's my prize. I set my vision on things above. So, typically, when this particular part of this verse is preached, what do we hear? We hear that this means our past mistakes. I'm going to forget all about my past mistakes. I brought them to the Lord, I've repented, I'm forgiven. And that's true, okay? That's very true. You should do that. But, 
in light of what this entire passage is speaking about, it has to also mean something different. If you take this whole passage in its completeness, it has to refer, it has to refer to the process of us leaving the law behind us. It has to, because that's what he's been talking about the whole time. So when he says, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, you see, I believe, let's get outside the box, the people box, not the God box, okay? Get outside the people box. I believe, it says, that is a reaching for our new position in Christ. Our new position in Christ. It means to run with a renewed mind. To run with a renewed mind in a spirit embrace. I am going to put off the old mind. I'm going to allow the spirit embrace to rule my life. I'm going to put down the laws, the things that are pointless. Okay? I'm going to look at it in a spirit embrace, a new mind, the goal of victory in Christ. That's what I'm looking at, the goal of the victory of Christ in my life. Through life in the spirit, through life in knowing his love for me, the heavenward calling. You see? The heavenward calling. Fixing our eyes on things above. The ascended, the fullness of Christ's life. The seated in heavenly realms life. Because that's where you're seated. A new vantage point. You see, we are perfected and governed by Christ in this new life. We are found in him. We are found in his love in this new life. So this isn't just talking about the wretched mistakes that we all made and that we're trying to get over that he already allowed us to get over because of his blood. So I'm going to be looking at life through the power of the resurrection. That's what this is really talking about. His finished work for me. What his love accomplished for me. See that? So I'm not going to look at the earthly circumstances, you know, and void philosophies. I'm going to agree with the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. Scripture tells us we have the mind of Christ. Philippians 3.15. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. So we have a responsibility to remain yielded. Remain yielded to this word. Okay? And the Holy Spirit will always testify by Christ, and the Holy Spirit will reveal Christ to you in every word in this book. Okay? So we remain yielded in our minds and in our hearts to the Lord. We say, Lord, anywhere where I have a false thought or a deceiving thought, correct me. Show me the light. 
those who think differently would be those who are functioning by the law, right? We need to think differently than that now. By the flesh. He originally, what did he call them? So that you can identify them a little bit better. He called them dogs, circumcisers, evildoers, and then he included himself and he said the Pharisees. Pharisaical thinking. Not understanding what the love came to do. He calls them enemies of the cross. He calls them whitewashed fences. He calls them brood of vipers. And they thought they were doing the right thing, just like Paul thought he was doing the right thing at one point in his life, until the love of Christ embraced him and transformed him and gave him a new mission, diametrically opposed to what he had been doing before, murdering Christians, seeking out their death. Enemies of the cross. Enemies of what Christ has already apprehended for you. Enemies of everything that Jesus died for. Religious thinkers. Enemies of the love. Remember, Jesus said that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Right? Does that explain it a little better? So, believe me, beloved, when the world comes in this church, they're not going to look like you, they're not going to act like you, they're not going to think like you, they're not going to talk like you. We are called to love the world and to teach hearts. Hallelujah. We allow the gospel to do the convicting because through the gospel... The Lord knows how to bring beauty from ashes. Right? All right. Philippians 3.16. Only let us live up to. Well, that just gave me something to do. Let me live up to. In other words, let me see it. Let me grasp it. Let me do the spiritual warfare that might be required. Let me love. Let me not live beneath what you have designed for me and my brother and my sister as far as I can help them along their way. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Jesus already gave it to you. He attained it, right? He apprehended it. Join with others in following my example, brothers and sisters, and take note. Pay attention. Let's all do this together. Take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. What's our pattern? Well, Paul enlightens it. But our pattern is Jesus. For as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Ouch. 
Their destiny is destruction. Right? Not the life more abundantly in Christ. That's what we have. I added that in there. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame, and they don't even know it. That's what you're here for. Their mind is on earthly things. And there in the translation from the Aramaic, I love this. Listen, Listen to this term. Their business is in the dirt. Doesn't that give you a a really good picture? Their business is in the dirt. Before the breath of God, right? He breathed life. Their business is in the dirt. That's the flesh life. That's without the Holy Spirit, without the breath of God washing over where we're going, what we're doing, what we're saying. Without the transformation of God's love in their lives. But our, as believers, our citizenship is, is. What does is mean? It means in the here and now. It means right now. It is in heaven. How can that be? Because he said his kingdom here on earth. We are allowed to walk in the atmosphere of heaven here. He has pursued us so that that occurs. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, That would be the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Okay, I've got something to say about this. Look at this. It says, this is going to really help you. You're going to be so excited about this. It says, who by the power. Okay, that word in the Greek, is energia. It means the working, the working that is in you. The, it means the action, action. Is action alive or dead? Is action moving or not? Is action accomplishing or not? Yes, it says by the action. It also says by the super human activity that is God's energy in you. You see, the Greek has so much more beauty to it than our language. They, you look at that word and you see power. But they have all this life force behind that word. The life force that is active in you. The superhuman ability of God acting in you. Now in us, it says. It says, now in us. It goes on. Listen to what else it says about that word. God's energy transitions the believer from point to point 
in God's plan, accomplishing his definition of progress. Wow. Do you want his definition of progress to be accomplished in your life? Well, next time you read this verse, you think about that word power and what it means, and that is your promise. I know you don't feel weak anymore. I know you feel alive and active and sharp in the power of God, in the resurrection accomplishment of God. Hallelujah. When I read that, I was like, that is awesome. I am in him, and he is transitioning me every moment of every day from point to point to accomplish his plans and purposes in my life. Wow. So, when we read this, this doesn't, on this last thing where it says, we'll transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. You see, that's not just our bodies when we go to heaven. Everything in this scripture is talking about the present. So that can't be just that. It can include that. It includes that. But this is speaking about the body of Christ, of whom you are an important member, the body of Christ walking in the fullness with which God has designed us to walk in the here and now. As he is, so are we in this world. You see, there is no lack of power there. There is no lack of transformed Christ living there. He was the image of God. And he says, in this world, we are like him. 1 John 4, 17. So, when I'm in him, woo! <laughs> when I'm living in the love, it's going to live in the love. We got to get that key. We got to get that key. When I'm living in the love, I'm limiting, living in God. That's 1 John 4, 15, right? So that means... I'm going to decree this over you. I decree it over me. That means that I and you will apprehend the fullness of his teaching. That we will hear, that we will walk in knowledge, in the intimacy of his love and his resurrection power. I decree that you will know how and how much he loves you. I decree that you will know his resurrection power alive in you and in your life. I decree that you will have his revelation for every situation. I decree that you will walk in new creation life in the here and now, in the ascended life, in the heavenward life, in the things above life, in the here and now. I decree that you will see from heavenly viewpoints. I decree that you will overcome darkness through Christ in your life. I decree that you will employ the 
keys of the kingdom, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. In me. So now I want to go back to Philippians 3.20. And I want to read it again from the translation from the Aramaic. It says, but our business is in heaven. And from there, see this, you see, you see how we have to shift? It says, this is scripture. Our business, everything about what you're doing is in heaven and from there, get a hold of this, from there, see you didn't have any places, from there we look for the life giver, our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. Do you see the viewpoint? Do you see where he has placed you? Do you see what he wants you to have? We look at things from heavenly places, from Christ's vantage point, from the God vision. And we are not moved then by the things on this earth. That's nothing. It's nothing. It's not reality. It is not true. I live in a whole different universe. Yes, I do. I walk around like this all day and people go, huh? And it's you too. Right? How often do you get that? Where are you coming from? Well, brother, let me tell you. Right? It's a really great story. <laughs> See, we look at things from Christ's vantage point, from his vision, from life given to us in Christ. Seated in heavenly realms with him. Here, now. Philippians 3.21, again, reading, we had NIV before, we're going to the Aramaic translation. He will transform the body of our humiliation, that's our flesh life, our unrenewed state, the earthly thinking state, into, otherwise it wouldn't have to be transformed, Right? So that's not a good humiliation, right? Into the image of his glorious body according to his great power. Same, that energy word, energia, the one that we were talking about, by which everything has been made subject to him. You should walk around saying everything of darkness has been made subject to me and I'm really glad about it. And you know what? I'm going to lovingly, not pridefully, but knowing who I am, knowing what's been done for me, I will lovingly welcome you in. Right? Right? That's what we do for our brothers and sisters. 
Hallelujah. According to his great power, by which everything has been made subject to him. So when we're in him, when we're in his love, everything is then subject to us. Did we catch the love word? Because that's the only way we can be in him. So when we do this, when we walk this way, then there's this tremendous power that Paul, I mean, promise that Paul tells us about. <clears throat> Philippians 4.9. The things that you have learned and received, so getting rid of the flesh, walking in new creation life, understanding the finished work, understanding the resurrection power, believing, having faith in God and what he said, the things that you have learned and received, you must receive it first, and heard, and seen by me, do these things, and the God of peace shall be with you. This is how we walk in eternal peace, in the here and now, no matter what's going on around us. And it all came from first understanding his love for us, because then we can believe the power. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be worried. Remember, perfect love casts out all fear. For anything, but always in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. You know our prayers, according to the word, should just be in, in thanks. We're not beggars. We're thankers. We're like, okay, here it is right here. Thanks. Thanks. That's awesome. That's mine. I believe it. Because this is you, God and you love me, and I'm your child. See, we don't really have to get real complicated. It's just like, okay, well, I may not understand that, I may not see that, but I believe it, because you said it, and you're true, and you're honest, and you're faithful, and you're good and kind and merciful, and your loving kindness never ends. It's, your mercies are new every morning. And so I'm just going to walk around, and I'm just going to believe everything you told me. Life's so simple that way. It's really simple. <laughs> you have to pretty d be pretty dumb to screw that up. <laughs> You're not dumb. Nobody at RCC is dumb. Okay. Do not be worried for anything, but always in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known before God and the peace of God Okay, and in the Aramaic, this is beautiful. This is so beautiful. And the peace of God. Listen to this phrasing. Who is greater than every mind. Oh my goodness. That means you're greater, well, of course you're greater than every mind, because you created everything. But to me personally, Oh, Lord, you're greater than my mind. I don't have to fret and pray about all this. You're greater than my mind, and I have you. You're greater than any confusion. You're greater than all of it. You're greater than my mind, the things I'm thinking in my unrenewed state, in my worry or fear or doubt. You're greater. You're greater than every mind. 
that puts me at rest. That gives me peace. This is the God who's taking care of me and you. And the peace of God, of the God, the God, who is greater than every mind, there the NIV says, that transcends all understanding. But I like it this way. Will keep your hearts and your mind by Yeshua the Messiah. So see, we think of it this way. His mind, his mind, it says, I have the mind of Christ in 1 Corinthians 2.16, right? And if his mind is greater than every mind, and I have the mind of Christ, so that I can think on these things. He has freed me to think on these things. He wants me to think on these things. He wants me to understand life in him, the fullness of life in him. He wants me to have a revelation of life in his love for me and for you. See, do you see what I'm saying? His mind is greater than yours, so we can just receive his way of thinking, his presence in a situation, the atmosphere of heaven that he has for us. You see, revelation of who each one of us is in him, in the spirit. Life transformed, spirit life. Life in a renewed reality of his love for us. His kingdom in us. You are the kingdom of God here on this earth. His kingdom comes through you. See that? And his mind is greater, so my mind can be transformed into his likeness. Are y'all understanding what I'm, am I making this clear about what, I, what I'm trying to get at here? Okay. So that means any fleshly calling, any fleshly calling, that means any unrenewed thought, not renewed to the word, in other words, that means any earthly bondage, any, that means Anything in my thought life. Right? It means any demonic influence. It means any social, cultural hypocrisies that bombard us. Any vain philosophy. It has to surrender to the greater mind, the mind of Christ in me. Am I, am I making the point clear? I feel like it's such a big concept, but it's not really. It's a little simple thing. Because when we believe that we are in Christ, you see, and he is in us, see, that's a new life, right? That's a new way of thinking. And all these other things are subject. So they don't have to, we, they don't have to be part of who we are. Right? God is greater than any mind, any religious thought, and he's freed us from the shackles of this fleshly thinking in this world, the chains of worldly thinking. So, we started, he said, he had come to set us free, right? He came to set us free from the circumcisers, the evildoers, the dogs, the business of the dirt, 
were set free. The pharisaical entanglements were set free. All the entrapments that the world offers, we are set free. We have been created, beautifully created, wonderfully created, majestically created, powerfully created to live in the fullness of the love of God for us. Wow. Heaven on earth. I want to go to one more, one more scripture. Philippians 4.13. I'm going to read it again, but in the Aramaic it says, I master all, all things by the Messiah who empowers me. I master all things by the Messiah who empowers me. In the NIV it says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Okay, that's beautiful. But when you read this, it's like, I master all things by the Messiah who empowers me. In the Greek, I want to read one more to you. It says, For in all things I have strength. That's from the, the word ischio, and it means I to have force. You are a strength. You are a force with which to be reckoned. Because of Christ in you. Christ in us, the hope of glory. His glory. Anyway, it goes on. It says, for in all things I have strength. That means to have force in the one strengthening me. You are walking around with one who strengthens you at all points, all times. And that word, strengthening, is from N dynamo, N like dynamite. That means filling, filling, filling over continually, never stopping, filling with power. That's what that word means there. So, for in all things I have strength, I have force in the one strengthening me, filling me, filling me, filling me with power. Wow. That's who you are. That is what you walk around with every day in your life. Hallelujah. So, that's what I thought the Lord wanted us to share today. So we're going to thank the Lord. <laughs> thank you, Lord, that we walk in your power, that you continually fill us with your power. Thank you, Lord, that we are resurrection power come here to earth because of you. Thank you, Lord, that you give us complete vision of the ascended life, the kingdom of God life that we are meant to walk in here on earth for you, for your glory, for your plans and purposes. 
and that you fulfill the good works and plans that you have for us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. So I want to go ahead. We're, we're going to take our tithes. So we're going to, and by the way, Ken and I are going to a Christian conference, and, and Brother Brian will be preaching next week. Um, so we'll just be out of town for that one Sunday. So we're going to go to Malachi 3, 7. It says, and then we're going to take communion. It says, return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe. I'm not going to argue with that word whole. It says whole. So to me, whole is everything. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my home. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. You're not going to do something he says and not see his blessing. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room to contain it. An offering is not a tithe. This is a tither's promise. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines of your fields will not cast their fruit says the Lord Almighty then all the nations will call you blessed so I pray this over you today for yours will be a delightful land so we thank you Lord that you have given us a promise that as we tithe, as we trust you, the wholeness of our income, that you will open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing upon all these people. Pour out so much blessing upon them, Lord, that they cannot contain it. That you rebuke the devourer on their behalf. And that people will look at them and call them blessed. And they will live in a delightful land. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So we're going to collect the tithes and offerings. And then we're going to have communion. from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, 
he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you, for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord. We proclaim the Lord. The Lord's death until he comes. We proclaim all that his death accomplished for us. And we receive it. Know that you receive it. When you are taking this, you are remembering. Receive it as a meal that heals, brings health, restoration, cleansing, the finished work of the cross. Hallelujah. So, Lord, we thank you for allowing those lashes, for allowing the crown of thorns, for allowing your body to be mutilated beyond human recognition for me so that I can be healed. Thank you, in Jesus' name. And we thank you for the blood which you shed. You shed your blood for us that we can know your forgiveness and your mercy in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, beloved, be blessed this week. I pray the Lord's protection over you, the Lord's blessing over you, that he goes before you, behind you, above and below, to the left, to the right, that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That his mind above, greater than every other mind, resides in you. That you have his wisdom, his understanding. That you say what he tells you to say. That you do what he tells you to do. That you are blessed coming in and going out. And that he perfects everything that concerns you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.